but we're continuing on, guys, in Second uh, Timothy chapter four. We're actually continuing on, and we're finishing the book. Second Timothy chapter four, verse nine to the end. And uh, the title this morning is Reflections. Reflections. Um, we're going to see a few points. Number one, active faith. Number two, God's presence. And number three, the farewell address. Uh, you ever just think about the past and reflect upon things? Like when you're, you were a kid, there was an event you remember maybe, or you just kind of think about it. I mean, most of us do. We, we reflect upon the past. And maybe you reflect upon turning points you know, in your life or times when you were successful at something or maybe times of trials and difficulties that left a scar on you. Uh, there were things that were difficult to face, things that were amazing. There were moments like that for me. Like when I gave my first speech at middle school, I'll never forget that. It's just one of those things I will always remember. I was so incredibly nervous. I dressed up as Davy Crockett and gave my speech as if I was Davy Crockett. I was shaking like crazy. But even though I was nervous and shaking the whole time, I did it and the kids applauded. I got a good grade. And so I praise, you know, praise the Lord looking back for that. Um, now, another moment I remember was when I was on the Pirates and, uh, in Little League. Now, I think I only played one season and then started skateboarding and snowboarding and never returned to traditional sports. But this one season, I made one play that today uh, surprises me. And uh, the ball was hit, and I was in the outfield, and I was running away from the infield, like, like backwards, right? And I couldn't really see anything. I was trying to look, at the, look for the ball and everything. But somehow that, that ball like, landed right in my glove. And, and, and I just put my glove out, and it was there. I'll never forget. I was like, I was even shocked. Like, how did, I, how did this happen? Um, I remember one painful time, uh, one dramatic time I, I had was I was running through some, some brush, and uh, I tripped on something. I didn't know what it was until later. But, uh, but basically, there was barbed wire in that brush, a part of a fence, and it, it cut my leg. And it, my leg didn't bleed. It looked kind of like an eye. And you look inside of it, and it looked like brains. It was, it was nasty. Um, got seven stitches. Uh, I'll never forget that because I have a scar to this day. And I know there's a lot of stories all of us can really tell about, that you guys could tell about your past, good and bad. There are times we reflect upon, and this is what the Apostle Paul is doing in the last part of Second Timothy. And these are the last words penned, and they really are telling, they're informative. And he looks back and he recognizes those who were with him and those who ran away. Paul recognizes at the end of his life that God was with him through it all. And do you know that today? God is with you through it all. He was with you in the past. He's with you now. He's going to be with you in the future. And at every stage of your life, the Lord is right there. The Bible says he will never leave you nor forsake you. He heals the brokenhearted. He is with you always. Do you know that? And maybe you know that, but do you believe that? I hope so, because it's true. Don't let difficult circumstances cause you to doubt the presence of God in your life. If you second-guess the scriptures, you're going to end up discouraged. If you believe God's word, you'll be encouraged and uplifted through it all. So Paul gives some last words and exhortations to young Timothy. Uh, Paul was a constant exhorter and encourager. And that's what he lived to do, help others grow and give them guidance and biblical wisdom. Right? He reflected a bit upon the past and encouraged Timothy for his future. Uh, so let's pray, and then we'll get into it this morning. Well, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. We just thank you for this time, Lord, uh, even virtually, Lord, through technology, that we get to connect, Lord. And 
uh, worship, respond to you, and hear your word, Lord, that you just speak to us this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So, 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting in verse 9, says, Be diligent, Paul writes to Timothy, Be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved the present world, and has departed for Thessalonica, Crescens for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. And Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. Bring the cloak that I have left with Carpus at Troas when you come, and the books, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. You also must beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. Verse 16, At my first offense no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. And so the first one is active faith. Now I call the first point active faith because Paul remained faithful while all those who were once with him totally abandoned him. Right? You either have active faith or you're going to abandon the faith. Right? God is an all or nothing God for he says you're either with me or you're against me. You're for me or you're scattered. So we need to be an all or nothing people. Right? Going all in for the Lord. Getting out of his way and going, you know, and not being a hindrance to what he wants to do. And this is a sad story, though, because of, a, of abandonment. You know, Paul was asking Timothy for help. Why? Because all had left him at this point. Demas had forsaken Paul, either because of the possible suffering caused by living for the faith, or he entangled himself so much in secular affairs instead of spiritual things that he was swept away. The world's lore is not sub- subtle. It's not weak. It's actually really strong. It's actually powerfully influential. This is why it's called fighting for the faith, right? Because our battle is against the enemy, yes. It's against the flesh, yes. But also against the world's enticements. If the Christian life were easy, it would not be called a battle. It would be called a breeze. Oh, yeah, it's simple. No, no big deal. This is why we are to depend upon and trust in the Lord through it all. Total dependence, complete surrender. Some think, well, what are you talking about? Like, I'm such a strong believer. It's like I, you know, I'm the most spiritual one at this church. You people need to grow. <laughs> but you know who else spoke like that before majorly failing? The Apostle Peter. Remember his story, Matthew 26, 35. It says, Peter said to him, to Jesus, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. All the disciples agreed, yeah, we're going to die for you. You're going to do whatever. We're going to follow you, Jesus, till the end. Peter, you know, he seemed pretty faithful with his words, right? Like, wow, Peter, you're so spiritual, bro. Like, he was, he was, uh, today's day, the kids would be like, he's flexing here. You know, he's, wow, he's just like, I'm with you, Lord, no matter what. I can hear Peter now, guys. I'm always named among, you know, the apostles. I'm always the first one named. So, yeah, I'm the strongest, you know. And what did Peter do soon after he would be do anything for Jesus, say he would do anything for Jesus? What did he do soon after this? Well, we know that he denied him. When danger presented itself, Peter instantly turned into um, a, a coward, I, I guess you could say, right? Like when it, when it would cost Peter something, that's when Peter caved. 
when there was possible danger involved, that's when Peter turned from the from a rock into a pebble, <laughs> right? He, he cowered away. Well, praise God that Peter was later forgiven by Jesus. We know the whole story, right? He was restored. But when it costs something, many believers walk away. And this was the story with a lot of those who were once with Paul. You know, uh, they took off when they realized it could be dangerous. It could be a little bit more difficult than I thought. There were risks involved. So Demas left for Thessalonica for some kinds of worldly affairs. Uh, Christine's had gone one way. Titus had gone the other way. Luke remained with Paul, um, though, which is good. You know, Mark had been, there's been a contention between Paul and Barnabas about Mark. Paul, though, had a good opinion of Mark now, probably because he was more spiritually mature at this point. Paul didn't want Mark to come along before because Mark backed down and backed away, lacking any bravery. But Mark, over time, had grown in boldness. God grows those who are teachable, right? Like Paul tells Timothy to come to him and bring his coat. Since Paul was cold, he was in a a small, dark dungeon. Timothy remained teachable, though, until the end. And Paul said, bring my parchments, bring my books, especially my parchments. And I, and I just love this. You know, he, was, he wasn't a know-it-all. He was like, I'm still learning. Even to the end of his life, where Paul, we see Paul as a major influence of the faith, he still was learning. And apart from the Lord, you and I know nothing. God doesn't embrace prideful people who think they are wiser than everyone else. That's the devil's story, right? That's Satan's story. God loves humility, and God calls us to be humble, not prideful, not arrogant, not conceited. And Paul remained teachable and wanted to learn about God and be in the scriptures even towards the end of his life. And that's the thing. No one retires from the Christian life because it's not a job. It's a way of life, right? Sure, we have a great benefit plan for the future, uh, but it's not an occupation. It's a vocation. Being a believer is not something we do, it's something we are. We are Christ followers and unashamed at that. Paul mentions Alexander and the mischiefs that he had done. Uh, Paul was in such danger from false brethren uh, you know, as, as his enemies. And Paul mentions the judgments of God because God is the one who judges, period. Paul didn't say, you know what, I'm going to judge him personally. He says, God's going to deal with them. And we can trust that. God's a judge. As Paul mentions those who ministered with him, many at one time had active faith, but now they're gone. Others were faithful, though, like Timothy, Titus, Mark, and Luke. You know, God will judge, though. Take comfort in that. No believer was especially assigned the job of judging others, you know, during this time in history. Um, some Christians think that's their calling, to be the judge, the sin sniffer, the one to find all the fault in everything that they see. That's not a calling. That's wrong. It's ungodly. Now, sure, we can and we should lovingly warn those who are traversing to heretical areas, but it's not your mission to tear people down. But we aren't called to, to, to do that. Like, remember, remember who is the judge, and remember, it's not you. <laughs> it's not me. Some unbelievers say, well, don't judge me. You know, I, I think a good answer to that is, oh, don't worry, I won't, but God will. <laughs> Depending on how a person's living, that might, that's could be worse, you know what I'm saying? Just But that's his job, that's, his, that's what God does. But the bottom line is active faith is a clear mark of maturity in Christ. Passive faith often looks like a lack of faith because there's no momentum, there's no movement. 
And verse 16 is really a, a sad verse. Uh, at this most critical time, Paul's companions were gone. He said, at my first defense, no one stood with me. All forsook me. But he said, may it not be charged against that. At the most critical time, Paul's companions were gone. They left. They forsook him. Paul could have left like, you know, he was left like a lone survivor, like a soldier, you know, he could, but he stayed in the fight. He could have let his guard go down. He could have got discouraged. He could have just walked away and been distraught and depressed and just forget it, you know. Thankfully, it doesn't end there, though. Like, if this ended here, it would be very sad, but it doesn't. Okay, so everyone left Paul, you know, in, in prison, and he was, he was murdered. If it ended like that, again, it would be depressing, be sad. But let's look at the next point. Verse 17 and 18. Second point is God's presence. Paul writes to Timothy, he says, But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, so that the message might be preached fully through me, and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I, all, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So please remember that this statement is true for every single Christian. right? Even if the believing friends you once had take off, God is still with you. We have a person we know who is, is a missionary all over the world. And I mentioned him about a week ago, but his ministry he, he's called Far Reaching Ministries. Check it out if you have a minute. But last week, he and other you know, Calvary pastors and missionaries were stuck in Afghanistan. It was heavy because we know this guy, and we know he was an ex-soldier, and he lived to spread the gospel, risking his life often. So he was made for moments like this, right? But at the same time, that doesn't mean it was easy. So I was, and a lot of believers and, and pastors and missionaries knew who these guys were. They, it, they were heavy. They were way down the Thursday before last. Then Thursday night, we found out that uh, another someone went in and, and, and rescued them, got them out of Afghanistan. And I just picture this missionary and pastors who we know trapped, and I just, but I also imagine them clinging to the Lord as they were trying to live. Total dependence on the Lord Jesus. In life, many have bouts where they feel alone. And this is why we cannot forget that God is always with us. He's with you, whether you're a missionary or a stay-at-home mom, God is with you. Whether you're, you work remote or have a 9-to-5 job, God is with you. And so I just say, please believe this. It's biblical. God tells us that, especially during these times that we are living in. You know, the end time is not in the future. It's right now. So the time is now to, to, to quit being timid and scared. Fear, we need to forsake it. Let God's strength crowd out worldly fear. Let the Holy Spirit lead you, not your fearful flesh. Let, you know, kill carnality by surrendering to the, to the Creator, to your Creator. And it's time to step up and not cower away. And, and Paul was in a dungeon encouraging Timothy that God stood with him. Now, this means God gave Paul wisdom and courage to enable him to speak. So Paul didn't have to figure it all out himself or try to be really clever in writing these letters. You know, he just had to depend upon the Lord for the wisdom and the words to write. In our current time, many believers aren't praying for the words to speak. Instead, they're, they're being reactionary depending on what uh, they believe, 
what's going on right now in the world. They're so focused on worldly matters, and it's and and, and that could ruin the Christian witness. And we got to stop dividing over worldly affairs, and instead start uniting in the name of Christ because of the gospel. Uniting, we're supposed to unite as believers. Yes, we have our opinions. No one controls us, you know, in this world. Great, but you know. What we should care about? Souls. We should care about souls. We should care about the fact that many are unsaved. Most are unsaved. And they're looking for hope, looking for help. We should care about people's eternal home. We should care about Jesus. Like how many people, just think about how many people have you shared the gospel with in the last month? How many people have you shared your opinion with about worldly events in the last month? Which, ones, which one have you shared more? See, we aren't called to stick our head in the sand or sit, you know, or, or sit on our hands in this world with what's going on around us, of course. But we should never lose the priority that God wants you and I to focus on. The main thing has become an afterthought. The centerpiece has become pushed aside. And I don't know about you, but I, I'm kind of like, I'm over it. You know, like people can argue all day, but I'm not going to waste my time doing that. God is with you and he wants to be with many who right now are just lost. And so it's time to speak up for eternal things rather than getting all angry about earthly things. So let me just, let me just give you a few points about these scriptures. Um, it is the Lord who stands by us and strengthen us, you know, strengthens us in major difficulty. It's God. God's presence is more than enough to supply every single need that we have, every provision we're praying for, God supplies. Paul was preserved, he was kept alive a little bit while, just a little bit longer, right? Because God had work for him to do, you know? Also, past deliverances should also give us a future hope when we're going through it. Presently, we think about, oh, God got me through it last time, he's going to get me through it this time. He will. And also, for those who persevere through suffering, there's a heavenly kingdom awaiting. We have a future. And we should give God glory for all our deliverances, past, present, and future. All credit, all glory, all honor to him. So, But notice how God delivered Paul out of the mouth of the lion, too. That's pretty amazing rescue, right? And again, it reminds me of our missionary friend who was in Afghanistan. He was radically rescued by other godly people. And God got all the glory for that because God is a rescuer. He is the rescuer. Remember that when you're in a difficult situation or in, in major hardships, God is the rescuer. He is a rescuer, not just a resuscitator. Like I love how Paul says so emphatically, he says, the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. Wow, yes, Paul said this, but we should all be able to say this as well. Can you say this with confidence in Christ? The Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for the heavenly kingdom. Because guess what? It's true. We've got to stop living in defeat. Yes, it, it is getting darker and more bleak in this world, but does that mean the sure hope that we have is gone? Absolutely not. You have a hope that is sure. You have an anchor for your soul, the Bible says, so don't drift away from God. Set the anchor down, let it hit the bottom of the ocean to keep you stable. You might move a little bit here and there, but you're not going to be swept away because that anchor is at the bottom of the ocean. 
And so let Jesus be the anchor of your soul. You want to to take care of your family? Well, here's how. Disciple them, right? Read the word to them. Pray with them. Be an example for them. Be an anchor. You know, Jesus is our anchor, but make sure that anchor is set down firmly. That's how you take care of your family from the inside out rather than from the outside. And that's how God takes care of us from the inside out, from the heart out. Remind each other that God is present in every circumstance, that he is with you perpetually. So active faith, have active faith. Know God's presence is always with you. And thirdly, farewell address. Verse 19, Paul writes, Greet uh, Prissa and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Erasta stayed in Corinth, but Trophimus I have left in Miletus sick. Do your utmost to come before winter. Eubulus greets you as well as uh, Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brethren. So, Paul sends salutations to uh, it's Aquila, Aquila and Priscilla, and the household of Onesiphorus. So, see, at the end, Paul's heart, this is awesome because Paul's heart was for the people that he knew. He thought about others instead of himself. Like, this to me is the opposite of, of narcissism, right? <laughs> like, Paul was really an other-centered person, and that is clearly displayed because in the worst situation that Paul was in, he still had a heart for others. He mentioned, he mentions leaving Trophimus sick at Miletum, so, which it looks like the apostles healed all the diseases miraculously, right? But Paul was used by God to some awesome and radical miracles. Like in Acts 14, verse 8 to 10, it says, And in Lystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting, a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul, observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped up and walked. So the Lord gave Paul power to help and to heal, but Trophimus was left sick. This shows that Paul did not have like healing powers to use whenever he wanted to. He could only heal in God's timing with God's power if it was God's will. Paul hastens Timothy to come to him before winter. Why? To see him before winter because the journey would be much more dangerous than the winter. Paul was older. He wanted to see his young associate, his comrade in arms, before he, he died. And there's actually a lot of emotion in the original language. There's a lot of emotion in, this, in these words here. Like we don't know if Paul saw Timothy again on the earth, but Paul would see the Lord soon. Remember, Paul was in a Mamertine prison, which was built, this particular prison he was in, it was built 100 years before Paul's imprisonment. And the prison or the dungeon was actually built originally for Rome's political prisoners. So Paul was beheaded under the rule of Nero outside of Rome's uh, Ostian Gate at a place called Three Fountains. There's a super weird legend that says when Paul was beheaded, his head bounced three times on the ground. And every time it bounced, a fountain appeared, right? Like one with hot water, one with warm water, one with cold water. It's weird, right? That's why it's called Three Fountains, but it's not true. But Paul was martyred after the great fires in Rome. We went over that, right, before. Tradition says that Paul was beheaded the same day that Peter was crucified upside down. 
And after all, remember Nero blamed the Christians for the fires in Rome, for burning down Rome, even though it's highly thought that Nero is the one who actually burned Rome to the ground. So he can rebuild it and be seen, get power and status and all that. So last words, these are the last words written by Paul, recorded by Paul in verse 22. He says, The Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. Last words. And I love these last words that were penned by Paul. I don't believe these words were the last words that that he said or or sung. Like I think Paul prayed and worshipped at his end. And like he did in the jail in the book of Acts, remember? He was worshipping like crazy as he was chained up. But, But look at these words. They show a few things. You know, Paul loved Jesus and he understood God's grace. Paul didn't pen, woe is me. He penned, the Lord Jesus Christ is with me, is with your spirit. He was focused on Jesus at the end. He was focused on the spiritual things. And the last word he says is amen. Amen means so be it. And so Paul wanted Timothy to affirm and confirm all this by agreeing. Paul had fought the good fight. He finished the race. He kept the faith. Awards in heaven awaited him. Better than rewards, though, is the greatest reward of them all, which is Jesus. And so, man, he fought the good fight. (laughs) And this is his last word penned, right? And so, may we have boldness, you know, to uh, stand firm for the faith, to focus on the main thing in this life. You know, not the worldly affairs. Focus on the Lord Jesus first, right? And then God will give you his will and his calling and clarity in order to be able to be effective on this earth, right? That's why we're here. We're not here to argue about worldly stuff all day and get stressed and bitter and angry and divide, right? The Christian church right now, there's so many things to divide over. Let's not let that happen here. Like, let's come together in unity. And the only way to do that is to make sure that Jesus is the foundation, the chief cornerstone. And that the Holy Spirit continues to build the house and add to the church as the Word of God is being taught, as we worship together, as we gather together in fellowship.